Welcome to Covenant Church's sermon discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the communication director at Covenant, and the preaching pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I'm Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Hi, everyone. And we are here to discuss the sermon from this past Sunday on um, February 7th about going out in love from Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. Mm -hmm. um, so, David, I have to say, I was, it's always striking to me every time I read this verse, verse 12, that um, Paul doesn't say, like, look, I'm in chains, and so the world has ended. He says, what's happened to me has advanced the gospel. Yeah. Yes. It's a, it seems like a paradox. It seems like a contradiction, but in God's world, God's economy, God's uh, providence, it is not. Yeah. And it, it seems like there are two parts to that. Thinking about this and in, in preparing the message, that one is reality that God is just going to make the gospel go forward, that he's all powerful. He can work that out. He can figure out how to do that, even in the midst of prison restrictions or COVID restrictions. But the, but the second part of that, which is also boggling, is that Paul has the eyes to see it. And I think so often we rest our eyes on the thing that isn't the way we would want it to be. Mm -hmm. instead of kind of stepping out from our own perspective and stepping into God's perspective on our situation. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think we you know when you get later on in chapter four, when Paul talks about focusing on what's true and excellent and good and, and all of that, mm -hmm. I think that's really what he's talking about coming around and seeing things through the, that lens. Mm -hmm. So yeah, even, even, you know, these dumb chains that are shackled to his hands, he's able to focus not on, how they impede him and hurt him and all of that. He kind of traces them out to who's on the other end and go, oh, look, this is a soldier attached to the other end. Hey, let's talk. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm, yes, I was struck by the same thing. Yeah. And as we were discussing this in the community group um, after this first service, I also thought of like how um, we can focus on our circumstances and they can feel confining they can feel like God doesn't have a plan. And yet, and yet we can see from, from Paul's life and circumstances that God has a plan for the moment, he has a plan for the person, and he has a plan for the future. Like through Paul's, um, through Paul's uh, in confinement in prison, right? God was working on Paul himself and on who Paul himself is and on his perspective and on his relationship with with God in that moment he also had a plan for the people Paul interacted with because um you know he he's the one who chose who was going to be Paul's guard right yep. um he also had a plan for the church because you know we Paul is such an oversized out their personality that I could see um, the church being like, 
okay, well, the gospel equals Paul. And if I am not like Paul, then I am not a believer or I am not a Christian or I'm not doing the right thing. Mm. And God putting Paul in jail is like, no, Paul is my servant and the gospel is my message. And the, yes, they're working together, but, but the gospel goes forward, whether you have Paul personality or you have Mm -hmm. um, a different, a Timothy personality, or, um, you know, these other people who are mentioned in these books, um, which I find very helpful. And then okay. also like, so, and then I'm going to keep going. <laughs> um, God had a plan for the future for us with Paul's imprisonment. Cause if Paul hadn't been in prison, he wouldn't have been writing these letters. Half the new Testament I may be over-exaggerating, but half the New Testament are Paul's letters from prison. Right. And so he had a plan for you and for me and for covenant and for, you know, all of the believers who have lived between Paul and mm -hmm. us today and all the believers who have lived are li going to be living in the future. Yeah. Oh, I love that perspective. Yeah, don't, don't we just tumble into the middle all the time. We always think it's just about us. I had a, I remember when I went to Woodcraft camp at Culver during the summers, I had this absolutely horrible bed every summer that where the, the outsides were kind of high and the inside was all worn down. And no matter where I started and at the start of the night, I would always end up in the middle. And it's like, that's how we always function. And I love how that pulls us back out of the center and puts God at the center and says, look what he is up to. I mean, the, the thought, the thought that God would let something happen to me mm -hmm. that's primarily for someone else's benefit is we, we just, it, that is such a, a what's well, such a kingdom way to think. And, but it's not an, at all a natural way to think. And mm -hmm. yeah. And even I was thinking about this, even it's fascinating that Paul being in prison in Rome is surfacing issues of division and selfishness among the people in Rome, the Roman church. And then Paul is writing to the church in Philippi and addressing issues of selfishness and division within the Philippian church. And even, even that, it's like it, it becomes a discipling opportunity, which you would think, how, how, is, how could Paul be discipling stuck inside a prison cell? That, yeah, it is, that is such a great perspective. I love that. And it helps me think uh, think like my grandmother was four during the last epidemic, pandemic, the flu of um, 19, 18 to 1920. Mm -hmm. And she lost two younger siblings and her only sister in that, pan in that pandemic. Wow. And that affected her whole life. And, you know, and we tend to only see like the hard things that resulted from that. But, um, but I can see um, how God's faithfulness to my grandmother um, influenced my mom and her siblings and me, my siblings and my cousins. And, and so to think like, okay, what the work God is doing in me in 2020 and 2021 will prayerfully 
and in God's timing, have a harvest, hopefully, generations to come. Yeah. Yes. And that's stunning. Yeah, that's humbling and exciting. Ah. And doesn't that make you just want to throw your heart open and say, God, whatever you want to do, go for it. My heart is wide open. I want to be used by you in that way. Yeah. Oh, that is really powerful. Yeah. I think that's really true. And, and, and so often it's the stuff that we could go, oh, look at these dumb chains mm -hmm. instead of look at this unique thing that God is up to. I mean, an, an example I think of often is the absolutely stunning beauty in the Iman family with mm -hmm. Michael. Um, and Michael's arrival came with uh, unique challenges. And those challenges have been lasting challenges. But look at the stunning beauty that has been formed in Anne and formed in Rob and formed in each of those kids. And, um, you know, that I, I think that's just a living parable of the principle that you're talking about that's right in our midst as a church family that I find so moving and powerful. That, mm -hmm. that reminds me I have reason to say thank you, Lord, even when. I'm faced with something really hard. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and I think that brings us to that, to the second point you brought out was, is that the gospel is a gift. Yeah. Right. Like, I, um, I can't imagine. And there are plenty of people who are living 2020, 2021 without Christ. Um, I can't imagine doing it. And, and yet, you know, why do I feel like the gospel can be such a burden? Yeah. What it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that, that was uh, one of the things that really struck me, Michelle, as I was going through prep and just reflecting on where our culture is, because two things, interestingly, are true. I mean, more and more, from, I think from the academic world and from some other places, there is uh, increasingly kind of a hostile orientation towards Christianity. This starting point is the assumption that Christians are judgmental, they are narrow-minded, that they're bigoted, that, um, I mean, assignments of being racist and other things are, are thrown at, at the feet of evangelical Christians, uh, that they're, they're allied to one political party, What I mean, on and on and on, or one political candidate. And um, so we, I think we have this sense of such tentativeness in our culture of feeling like the moment I open my mouth, somebody's going to say, what are you talking for? And we don't want to hear what you have to say. Mm -hmm. And then you turn and you look at the statistics. I was just looking at this, the research this past week and the rise of stress, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and, and the list goes on isolation of the consequence of of COVID, what, look how directly the um, look how directly the Christian faith addresses each of those concerns that that people are encountering, each of the struggles that they're facing. Mm. We have something amazing to offer a world that is in such real and deep need right now. It is really good news. It is really good news, and and it can. Um, 
I love that you said we do not have to argue people into to yeah. into it, right? Like we just don't. Like that is yeah. such a 1980. Like that's when I was growing up. You know, 1980s. Like you have to have the um, apologetics and and all of this, and it's and it's really, um, it's it's the love it that we've been talking about. It's, yes. it's loving others. It's the radical hospitality, you know, both yeah. of which honestly are really hard for me. Mm. And then I think just one person, right? Like just the next person God brings into my, onto my route mm. or into my path. Yeah. That's and, and you called me to love. Yeah, and you touched on something earlier, Michelle, that I, that I think is just such a helpful reminder. And it, it really came through in the Thomas Kelly quotes that I read from A Testament to Devotion. Uh, the reminder that the Christian life isn't something that I white knuckle. It's not mm -hmm. this thing that it's all up to me. You know, mm -hmm. it's do, do I really believe that the living God has taken up residence in me? Mm -hmm. Do I really believe that the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to me? Well, if I do, then I will live with the expectation that God is already at work in the life of the person I'm talking with. And he is also at work in me, forming a witness in me before I've even arrived into this conversation. Mm -hmm. And then I just get to be, seek to be faithful to cooperate with what the spirit is doing in providing thoughtful answers and a consistent life. You know, that that's, those are the main things that I'm always privileged. That's, that's where I'm, lo love is not something we muster up. We love because he loved us first. It's, mm -hmm. it's the thing I hand on. It's always the thing I hand on and never the thing I have to concoct or manufacture towards someone. It's that overflowing bucket. Yes, absolutely. It's that overflowing. And the, the irony of that, that one of the best places, sorry, I just talked right over you. Nope. What were you going to say? Um, awesome. So the irony of that, that one of the best places to turn in order to be an effective witness is first to turn to God and to get our buckets filled. You know, that, um, you know, I think I said towards the end of the message, something like Paul has modeled for us um, the, the most effective way to do this, which is uh, to draw close enough to Jesus that our lives become different. And then to draw close enough to the people that Jesus puts around us that they can see that difference that he's made, which is so different than a project by which I try to push you, manipulate you, compel you into the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. the God who made you in love, showing his love, wooing to you through me, wooing you through me. Mm -hmm. uh, to draw you to him and and then i just get the happy privilege of being the vessel and not the nuclear generator <laughs> uh, it's not up that burden is not on me yeah yeah exactly and so i think um you know god's invitation to us is is to ask ourselves the question, how am I viewing my circumstances, mm -hmm. right? Am I focusing on the chains or am I focusing on the person at the other end of the chain? Mm -hmm. What other invitations do you see 
Yeah, I think the the invitation to to stay to stay close to God in a way that reminds us of the reality that the Christian life is not me being a good person for God. The mm -hmm. Christian life is me as a person, even redeemed, a person who still is in need of a savior, who's uh, blessed to receive purely on the basis of grace, the gift of redemption and the presence of God and the work of God in my life. And when I see that, when I get to worship out of the center of that on a regular basis, it's so much easier for me to think that that's what I'm offering someone else. I love somebody said, you know, being an effective witness is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. You know, that mm -hmm. I, I love that. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's really what it's about. So I think, I think that would be another invitation. And I think, um, you know, there's this spurring one another on dimension. I think um, sometimes, uh, you know, we have these categories of things where we better not talk about politics. Well, you know, I think a little bit of that happens for us as Christians with evangelism. We better not talk about evangelism, but I think this is a place we can be really encouraging of one another to, to remind each other in a cultural climate that says, if you say anything, you are out of line mm -hmm. to remind ourselves that we have treasure to go and strew upon the path in front of this world and and that it is a gift we give and not a burden that we're imposing mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's not you know i think a lot of times it can be especially in our results oriented culture like how many people have you talked to christ about Mm -hmm. um how many people have you prayed with how many you know when it's really it's not about that it's about about being consistent right i love that you use that word consistent because it doesn't mean perfect mm -hmm. right um because we're not going to be perfect right but when we mess up we can be consistent and apologize yeah, I'm and, a messer upper, but I'm a graced messer upper. Yes, right. Right. And choose to make it right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and, and I think that speaks volumes when yeah. we are willing to apologize, when we are willing to make it right mm -hmm. at, a, at a cost to us that maybe other people would be like, why I wouldn't do that. Why are you doing that? And, and Michelle, what you're opening up right now is such an important um, parallel current that runs all the way through the book of Philippians, which is our collective witness. What happens when we are together in, in this koinonia, in this fellowship of affection, the world sees the way we love each other and they see the difference. It's like, you know, in a typical context, it's like, you hurt me, you offend me, you say the wrong thing, I'm out of here. In the church, it says, you know, that doesn't have to be fatal. We can work it out. You know, we, we need to learn from this. We need to take responsibility. We need to take those wrongs seriously. But, but grace is for real. And we really can get to the other side of this. One of my favorite things is when I hear a, a story, and I just got to hear another story of this this week of Christian's 
who have a really hard time with someone else, deeply hurt by someone else, but they say, you know what? I'm going to let love have the last word. I'm staying in there with this person. Mm. Wow. I mean, isn't forgiveness one of the most compelling proofs of the power of the gospel in a world that just judges and condemns? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, th I think there's a, a connection we so often miss that our body life or who we are as a family of believers as brothers and sisters is directly connected to the way that we put God on display in the world hmm. yeah yeah any final thoughts you'd like to leave no actually something that just popped into my head it just isn't really uh so much on this message specifically but we began this series by just asking everybody to read through the book of philippians um just takes what 15 minutes to read through it once each day for a week and and i think one of the things that we can do is kind of start there with that overview and then drift back into just kind of looking through this little keyhole <laughs> at one little portion so just the encouragement again from time to time through the series just step back and maybe once a week in your devotional time to just read it through find a different translation read it through read it in a different language if you know one um, listen to it online whatever um to, to let its overall message speak. Uh, the more I, time I spend in it, the more I think this is uh, one of the most um, immediately directly relevant books in the scriptures for us right now in the COVID context. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, especially, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, especially my favorite passages, but we will get there. <laughs> Those do. So, yes. Well, thank you, David. Yeah, joy to be with you. Yes, joy to be with you, too. And thank you to all who have joined us online and on our podcast. 